So today we begin a new series looking at Paul's letter to the Galatians. I'm really looking forward to studying this letter because I think it speaks into several issues that I know people here have questions on, some of which we've recently discussed as a church together. I also think it will help to guide us as a church as we continue to plot a course for the future and help us to remember what is most important about our witness and ministry. But above all, reading Galatians is a great way to start a new year because it fixes our attention firmly on the gospel and the amazing grace that it contains. It helps us to wonder at all that Jesus achieved for us and what the Holy Spirit wants to work in each one of us starting even today. I would like to use Paul's opening verses that we read together as a way into the letter. I want to introduce to you three important themes that are going to come up again and again and again through the weeks ahead. And they are family, freedom and faithfulness. Family, freedom and faithfulness. Let's start with family. I'd like us to try and imagine something. Imagine you are in South Africa in the 1970s. It's the height of the apartheid regime. And you are embarked on a risky project. You're trying to build a community centre where everyone is equally welcome, no matter what their colour or their race. You've designed the centre, you've laid the foundation in such a way that only the right sort of building can be built upon it. Or so you think. Suddenly you're called away on urgent business to another part of the country. And a little bit later, you get a letter. A new group of builders have come in and are building on your foundation and they've changed the design. They are installing two meeting rooms, each with their own front door, one for whites only and one for blacks only. Some of the local people are mightily relieved. They always thought there was going to be trouble putting everybody together like that. Others, though, ask the builders why the original idea of one room wouldn't do. Their response was that the person who laid the foundation, i.e. you, had some very funny ideas. You didn't know what you were talking about. You didn't have the authority to do it anyway. They were from the real authorities, and this two-door design was the way that it had to be. Imagine how you would feel receiving that letter. Imagine how it would feel to see your work and just ignored and brushed aside. Imagine how you would feel when that old oppressive ideology of apartheid wins out all over again. If you get that analogy, welcome to Paul's letter to the Galatians. Paul has been trying to build a building, not of bricks and mortar, but of people. 
He has laboured to lay the foundations by telling the people some astonishing news. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is one God. He sent his son, Jesus, the King of Kings, to the world to change the course of humanity. The Romans killed him, but three days later, God raised Jesus from the dead. But that is just the beginning. Because Jesus' death and resurrection means that God is now building a new family. A single family. A family with no divisions, no separate races, no one table for some and another table for others. That's just nonsense. Jesus was Lord for all the world. God wants to be known as Father by all the world. And that's why in verse 1, Paul sends greetings from both him and his brothers and sisters. That's why in verse 3, he speaks words of grace and peace to the people of Galatia. The exact same words he finishes his letter with in chapter 6. This is Paul writing to family. A wonderful, global, fence-crossing, border-defying family. But there is a problem. And we see that in how quickly Paul's tone changes. In verses 1 to 5, there are words of grace and peace. In verses 6 to 9, there is full-on anger. Like the builder in my imagined illustration, Paul had had to leave Galatia to attend to churches elsewhere. And in his absence, other leaders had infiltrated into the church and they had changed the course of things entirely. Instead of one family together, they wanted Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. They wanted two doors, two meeting rooms. In their mind, the Jews were the inner circle of God's family, the most loved. And if Gentiles wanted to enter that inner circle, there were certain steps that they would need to take. Most of all, they need to follow all of the Jewish law. This exclusivity is not how families should behave. And Paul is furious about what has happened. In Christ, God did everything necessary so that we are welcome to join his family. Nothing more is required. Who did human beings think they were to erect extra fences and extra walls when Christ died to take them all down? And so again and again in this letter, we will see Paul's defense of God's one undivided, unsegregated family. Jew and Gentile, black and white, slave and free together. Today we could go on and add further categories. Intelligent, those with learning difficulties. Rich, poor, stylish, unstylish. Baptist, free church. Young, old. 
whatever form of segregation and discrimination you can think of, they are anathema to God. Christ died to unite all who believe in him. The same spirit lives in all who have chosen repentance and faith. We are brothers and sisters, one family. And this is immensely countercultural in our world today, where boundaries and borders are being reinforced everywhere. In 2020, supposedly, we're supposed to separate ourselves from the EU. The SNP wants us to debate ending the UK. Trump is building a wall. There is already a wall in Jerusalem. One thing that we will be challenged about through this whole letter is how welcoming are we of others? <coughs> will we go out of our way to knock barriers down rather than erect them? Will we look to see all believers as brothers and sisters? Will we seek to act as one family of God's people? It will take courage. It will take humility. It will take sacrifice. But if we take the gospel seriously, what Christ achieved and what the Spirit is at work doing today, we have no choice. We must seek to nurture God's one family of grace and peace. That then takes us on to the second major theme of this letter, freedom. We're now going to think a little bit more about the problem Paul faced in Galatia. But first, another illustration. I know from speaking to many of you that you remember the Billy Graham Crusades. Either you were there at them or you were helping to relay his ministry to a big screen somewhere, perhaps even here on Isla. If you are not personally involved, I'm sure you at least know of what we're talking about. Great rallies where as Billy preached God's word, hundreds of people came forwards in faith. Imagine that you were one of those people who came forwards. You've heard the gospel. You want to surrender your life to Christ and you make the bold step to come through the crowd to get to the front. But when you get to the front, rather than being congratulated and encouraged and prayed for, you're given an extra requirement. It's great that you want to follow Christ, but if you really want to be a believer, if you really want to enter God's family, if you really want salvation and a place in eternity, there's one more thing you must do. You must become a Baptist. Only when you've become a Baptist will you be completely acceptable to God. That's absurd, isn't it? Most more than that, it's flat out wrong. Even as Baptists, it makes us a little bit angry to think that someone might say that to somebody else who has just surrendered their life to Christ. But that is exactly what has started to happen in Galatia once Paul had left his initial ministry there. A group of Judaizers had come in. 
These are Christians, but they're culturally Jewish. They come from Jewish families. They're proud of their Jewish history and their Jewish traditions. Galatia is now what we would call Turkey. The people there are Gentiles, not Jews. But here is the message that is being given to them. It's great that you've surrendered to Christ, but there's more you have to do. You need Christ and Moses. You need to perfect your Christianity by adding the laws of Moses. Total commitment to the Old Testament law is the climax to your conversion. Can you see how that changes everything? The call of the gospel is no longer surrender to Christ, but come and join our group. You see, Judaizers, they weren't just law-centered, they were nationalistic, they were racially biased. And the laws that they wanted specifically obeying were those that separated Jew from Gentile. They wanted the laws like circumcision, eating kosher food, observing sacred days, observing Jewish festivals. They wanted all them kept as well. This isn't just evangelism, this is cultural imperialism. And the Judaizers see Paul's gospel as a massive threat. Paul is speaking of one undivided family where all are equal, where diversity among the faithful is celebrated rather than frowned upon. And the Judaizers, they see their Jewish nation and their culture and their society under threat. So they believe that the only way to preserve their religion is to insist that all those who follow Christ also add on The law of Moses. That's the only way that Gentiles can enter the inner circle of God's family. And if you cast your eyes over verses 6 to 9, you can see the depth of feeling that Paul has about this behaviour. He says in verse 6, this is not the gospel. In verse 7, he says this is a perversion of the gospel. In verses 8 and 9, he calls down eternal condemnation on anyone who peddles this narrative. Why is Paul so vehement about this? Because of what he sees as being at stake. This teaching is not from God. It's not based on the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not dependent on the Holy Spirit. Jewish laws are not an addition to the gospel. They are a subtraction from the gospel. They are a subtraction from what is important. Jesus and the Holy Spirit. You cannot have law and gospel. You cannot have Moses and Holy Spirit. Believers have to choose Christ alone and Paul's fear is is that if this is not preached loud and clear some Gentiles are going to be put off from entering God's family at all and that would be a tragedy and throughout this letter we will see what Paul thinks of the law 
But the one message that Paul wants to get over right from the start is that if you believe in Christ, you are set free. You are set free from the law. Human beings could never keep all of the law. They could never attain salvation or acceptance by God through it. Only faith in Christ is sufficient. And yes, the law worked for a time. It revealed the will of God. It showed people their sin and their need for forgiveness. It even taught the people how to live well. But it has been eclipsed by the ministry and the life and the actions of Jesus. Believers now no longer live under the law. They live under the Spirit. It is the Spirit that guides our hearts and leads our consciences as we read the words of Christ together. If we read Jesus' teaching in the Gospels and ask the Spirit to help us, we will live to a much higher standard of behaviour than we would if we just read the Old Testament law. Christ and the Spirit fulfil and transform the law. And of course, the law was designed as a national and social boundary. It was designed to make God's people, the Jews, different. But now, because of Jesus, you no longer need to become a Jew to be acceptable to God. Judaism was fulfilled in nationalistic terms when it bore Christ. Christ had blown the doors of Judaism to make one family of Jew and Gentile together. It's completely wrong to think that God still works in nationalistic ways. God's people now come from all nations. So what we will see again and again in this letter is that Paul thinks that when Christ came, the era of the law ended. It served its purpose. To live under the law is to live in the past, to live in the previous evil age that he mentions in verse 3 and not in the kingdom of God. And therefore, it's now wrong for us to foist the law onto Gentile converts. It's wrong to force others to accept it. It's wrong to use the law as a barometer as to whether someone's in God's family or not. As Christians, we are free people. Don't carry around the burden of onerous rules and guilt. Don't live constantly in fear as to whether you've stepped out of line. You are free. God loves you. And when you do sin, which you will, confess it and he'll forgive you. And how do you know when you've sinned without the law? Well, the Spirit will reveal it to you as you read the words of Christ. In the gospel. And maybe somebody here today just needs to hear again that God wants to set them free. He wants them to delight in life and delight in him. And for those of us who worry about the relationship between law and grace and just how much of the Old Testament we should still keep as Christians today, we need to hear again, we are set free from the law. Live to love Christ and he will guide all of your steps, not Moses. And as a church... May we never put extra requirements on people for them to come to faith. 
or join our family here. That's not the gospel. That's a perversion. And we don't want Paul's words of condemnation to fall on us. This then takes us on to the final theme of the letter that I want to draw our attention to right at the beginning. Faithfulness. Paul's message is clearly going to be controversial to the Judaizers. They are not going to enjoy reading this letter one little bit. And Paul already knows that they've made him out to be a false teacher with no authority. And some of the local Galatians have believed that portrayal of Paul. And it's for that reason that Paul begins as he does in verse 1. The second word of the whole letter is apostle. This is not Paul's message being written here. This is not Paul, the radical, the office not renegade political socialist and raging liberal. This is not Paul at all. This is the gospel. This is the gospel, the message that Christ gave him to bring to the Gentiles. And we will see in this letter several times that Paul stresses that his only desire is to be faithful to Christ. An apostle in the first century was an agent or an official representative of an important figure. For example, in today's world, when the Queen sends Prince Charles to meet the Maoris in New Zealand, he is acting as her apostle. Paul has been personally called by the risen Christ to go and represent him. He's to take God's message of grace and peace. He is to lay the foundation for one family. He is to proclaim freedom from the law. These are the words that Christ has asked him specifically to speak. Paul didn't dream them up. He's faithfully <coughs> passing on the message. Faithfulness is of utmost importance to Paul. It's the one thing he lives his life around. He wants to be faithful to his Lord and Saviour who he personally met on the Damascus Road. The grace of that encounter, the way his life was turned around, has made him so grateful to Christ that he will pass this controversial gospel on no matter what trouble or criticism or personal attacks it gets him into. And as we read this letter, we will be challenged as to whether we are faithful to Christ. Are we speaking the gospel to others? The true gospel mind, not one with our own additions added in. Are we seeking to nurture one family? Or are we preferring people who are just a little bit like us? Are we proclaiming freedom? Or are we binding people with added burdens and worries because we're judgmental and condemning in our words? The letter to the Galatians has begun. It will speak of God's family. It will proclaim freedom. But it will call all of us today to be faithful. We will need to respond. At times we will need to change. But let's commit to being faithful to God above everything else.
Let's pray together.